Hey, welcome to the episode By the Dip. We discuss stunning new archaeological revelations, how to transform chaos into beauty, the deep symbolism of Karpas and Yachat, and why you should transform from being a dipper to being the dipped. I'm Moshe Shomer, and this is the Chavusa Podcast, an exploration of timeless wisdom and ideas that have guided some of history's greatest men and women for over 3,000 years. About 1900 years ago, there was a revolt in Jerusalem against the oppressive Roman conquest and suppression of Jewish life. And during that revolt were Jewish refugees that had smuggled out the things that were dearest and most precious to them, Torah scrolls. Torah scrolls still written today as they were 1900 years ago, 2000 years ago by hand on parchment. Really just saw a cool video on the parchment process, how they take it from the highs to the, to the parchment. It's incredible stuff, all by hand. And today, Israeli archaeologists announced that they discovered dozens of new fragments of these scrolls that were hidden out in the desert cave back then during the times of the revolt. According to the Israel Antiquities Authority, the team showed exceptional courage, dedication, devotion to the purpose, repelling down to caves located between heaven and earth. Apparently a super dangerous mission to recover these scrolls. Digging, sifting through the caves, enduring thick and suffocating dust, and returning with gifts of immeasurable worth for mankind. Part of the finds they were able to reconstruct experts 11 Verses 11 psukim from Zechariah, Zechariah, Zechariah the Hanavi, Zechariah the prophet, including along those verses, resounded during his times, during Zechariah's times, and are resonant today. These are the things you are to do, says Zechariah the prophet, recently rediscovered. Speak the truth to one another. Render true and perfect justice in your gates. Do not contrive evil against one another. Don't love falsehood because all those are things that i hate so declares hashem true and perfect justice in our gates to eradicate perversion of justice to eradicate inequities to eradicate falsehoods and sense of falsehoods to stay away from evil speech and evil actions against one another to create greater sense of community to elevate communications between us to refine our speech to refine our actions epic stuff they also found this for all our archaeological fans out there. I used to want to be an archaeologist. still want to become an archaeologist. My nickname is going to be The Digger. The Digger. You always go deeper. You always got to go deeper. If you think you understand something, you think you know something, go, go digger. Anyway, um, and so what did they find? The oldest, perhaps the oldest known basket to mankind. A reed basket they found. Dating about 6,000 years old. Uh, they also found some arrows, spearheads, fabric with colorful stripes, seeds, olive pits, gotta have some good olives, some remnants of sandals, and a comb. Good stuff. At the end of the episode yesterday, we discussed how we start and begin, commence the Passover Seder, the night of the Agata, with Kadesh. Kadesh as a first and foremost an opportunity 
opportunity to cleanse all clean slate. No matter where you are, just like a, a Jew in Egypt was at the 49th most lowest level of Tumah, of disconnect, and was redeemed and experienced the revelation of freedom and redemption. So to every single Jew comes past overnight, Kadesh, opportunity for Kedusha, for holiness, no matter where you are, what station you are in life. It's the opportunity and it's also a pledge. It's a pledge, a bracha is a pledge and saying all the things that happen, all the energy that I get from this experience. I'm going to take it, I'm not going to let it stop here, but just the opposite, this is just the beginning. I'm going to take that energy, I'm going to take that momentum and channel it, plug it into my life. Now before we move on with the rest of the Seder, read this following story. It's such an awesome story that really gives a mindset for how to approach the Seder and Passover just in general. And the story is about the great Rav Aaron of Karlin. Rav Aaron of Karlin, the base Aaron. The Rebbe of Karlin, that was the town in Russia. If you recall back in the Harusa podcast, the story of the person that burst out in song when we differentiated between the two types of song was a more intellectual thinking yeah, let's start a song now. And one is that it's spontaneous and it burst forth. It can't be contained. Shira in Hebrew is that second type of song, that story. He was banned from Shul. He couldn't come. And Look back at the Chavrusa episode. Message me if you need the exact episode. That story is the same person. Ravarin of Karlin. Ravarin of Karlin. Now people would come from all across. All across Russia. All across uh, Europe. To come and join him. Passover, to do Passover together as a community, coming for miles and miles in anticipation. What insights are we going to gain? What experience are we going to have? In that year, right at the beginning of the Seder, something very unique happens and something different happens. Rebbe starts, he stands up, Rav Aaron, he stands up to the beginning of the Seder and he says, if only we can learn from the great Shopsi. Shopsi, that's a name, only we could learn from the great Shopsi, then we would be able to really taste Passover, taste freedom. If only we could uh, learn from Shopsi. Now, they're all curious because Shopsi, there's only one guy Shopsi around. Shopsi's a simple Jew. He's a simple Jew, a woodcutter, lived in the village, the outskirts of the village, poor, regular, decent guy, but nothing, you know, no, nobody really knew much about him. That to the extent that the, he's going to start to say, if only we could learn from the great Chopsy, what's going on? What's going on, Chopsy? So, a couple of people super uh, excited. They're on the beat. They want to know what's up. So, they run, go running over to Chopsy and they're watching. They look through the window. They're sitting, Chopsy, what, what wonderful thing is he doing that deserves that praise? And he's sitting at the Seder. And they go through the Seder very unimpressively, rather quick. Eat the matzo margarine, eat the cups of wine. Boom, quick shop, you're done. So, okay, the, the people watching are like, okay, you know, maybe maybe now, like after the Seder completes, he's going to do some like real mystical, capitalistic stuff, song of songs, talk about uh, the exodus all night. They're watching him. He cleans off the table, goes to sleep. Boom, done, over. And they're bewildered, like, okay, like he's, uh seems pretty mundane and average, so what's up? Why is, why is the Rebbe giving such glowing remarks about this Jew? The next morning, 
after base up, they go over to them and they apologize. They say, you know, we were lurking in your window. We were spying on you. We apologize. Uh, but they told him the story. Like, this is what the Rav said. Like, what? What do you mean? Could you tell us? Like, what's the what's the greatness here? Shopsy looks at them. No idea. <laughs> I'm just like you. I'm, uh, I don't know. I do the regular Seder. You know, I do, I do my thing. So the people realize and they say, you know, we only saw you beginning... At the evening, after the rubber already recommended and we quickly ran over, you're already beginning your Seder. Maybe it was something you did before the Seder. Maybe one of the preparations that you did. Maybe you had some incredible mindset shift. Maybe you listened to some Kavrusa podcast, something like that. Like What, what was it? So he said, I'll, I'll recap my day before the Seder, 14th day of Nisa. He says, I spent all morning, early afternoon, getting ready for the Seder or a Got the horseradish, I was grinding the mur. Got the matzahs ready, you gotta toast the matzahs by the way. If you toast the matzahs, first of all, you gotta use the handmade matzah. None of the square stuff, you got the round. It's the earth oven baked, I just made that up. Wood fired baked, and it's crispy, it's toasty. It will take your, your square matzah and knock it out of the park. You'll never be able to eat square matzah again. And maybe don't do it, don't uh, spoil yourself. Also, it's expensive. Either way, um, he, he gets the matzah ready. Toast it. Oh, so I was saying, if you toast the matzah before you eat it, just put it in the oven, 350 for, let's say, a minute, 60 seconds. Obviously, you don't want to do this on Shabbat or on Yom Tov itself. So you, you, this is why Shopsi probably was doing it on the 14th day of Pesach, getting perfect toasted. Mix the harosas together. Apparently, there are some good harosa recipes I had a good one last year, Persian edition, uh, but it's it's tough uh, to get a good one. Either way, he makes his chayrosas, and he says, okay, he gets the wine, everything's set. And he calls to his wife, and he says, by the way, I'm going to go to show. I'm going to go to the services a little bit earlier. I want to prepare. I want to get into the mood. I want to say an extra couple of asams. I want to learn a little bit. Okay. Wife comes out, and as she bids him, Farewell, good Yantif. She turns around, she bumps into the table. She bumps into the table and the bottle of wine spills. Shattering. Millions of pieces of the wine, the red wine splattering all over the place. You want to do red, it symbolizes the blood. It's both freedom on one hand, the wine is freedom, but it's also the blood. You'll notice all the aspects of Passover have a combination of blood, the paradox between freedom and slavery, freedom and bondage. And it Port portrays and portends the great Jewish underpinning in the Torah's concept of freedom. That's not just a free-for-all, do what you want. The Lion King song goes, I just can't wait to be free. Nobody saying do this. Nobody saying be there. Dun -dun 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 -dun. It was playing, <laughs> this song was playing when I picked up uh, my kids from preschool today. It was a parody version. It was like one of these Jewish parody versions of the song. Um, but that's not what freedom is in the Jewish concept. It's not just nobody saying do this, nobody saying be there. It's freedom in the highest sense, chiras, when you're buying into a moral vision and maximizing yourself. And that takes remembering and, and tempering those abilities to do what I want with realizing I can have to make sure nobody else goes hungry and that nobody else is in bondage and that nobody else is suffering. 
That's the wine of freedom. It's the matzah, it's both the sign of freedom that as they left Egypt, but it's also the bread that you eat as slaves. You take the marrow, the bitter, the tears, the sharpness, and you dip it into the sweet charosa. So, the red wine is spilled all over the table, splattered. His wife, she'd been also preparing all day, all night, leading into Pesach, cleaning, getting rid of the chametz. And she knocks over the bottle and she was so distraught, so overwhelmed that she grabbed the tablecloth and swept it up, pulled it from the table. Everything goes flying, the harosa's flying, the matzah's flying, the mara's flying. <laughs> it's chaos, chaos. And she's, she's so overwhelmed, she runs out of the room, uh, slams the door. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't know what to do. He's like, okay, I'm going to go, uh, I'll go Davin and... We'll take care of it when I come back from, from services. Comes back, and the same as it is, she she's napping or whatnot, um, and knocks and he says, "I'm sorry. Um, I realized that this was, uh, you know, it's a stressful time, and it's okay. Don't worry about it." And I go into the next room and I and I start cleaning. I set the table again. Got a new tablecloth and my wife. It's I didn't want to disturb her, so. I uh, did everything start to finish. I even started the Seder until she was ready. I didn't want to pressure her. And when she was ready, right right before you had come to the to the window, uh, she came, she's ready, she's happy. She regained her composure, sat down, celebrated the Seder together. And Shapti turns to the to the people, the followers of the Bizarre and of Ravarakalin, and he says, Yeah, I told you, it's nothing like special. It was just uh, it was a regular day. That's the end of the story. But it's so profound. What Ravaran of Carlo was saying, oh, if only we could be like the great Shopsy. If only we could be like Shopsy, realizing the whole point of the Seder, the whole point is that we should be calm, that we should feel in control, that our desires don't control us, but we could overcome that. You can imagine. Shopsy had just set the whole table, and now it's spilled, and it's chaotic. And his spouse is upset, but instead of getting caught up in the moment and getting angry and yelling and shouting they'll just say i'm gonna do this again and i'll reset the table i'll readjust to the circumstances and passover is going to come and it's the seder is not going to be exactly how it's planned out and how you thought it was and uh might not be as perfect picture as they make it out in the the books or in the podcast how beautiful and inspiring it's going to be but that in itself to be able to be in control of your emotions and not get angry not get frustrated not lash out at someone. That's the ultimate taste of freedom. That's the ultimate goal of what the Pesach experience is trying to accomplish. Next up, after the Kadesh and the washing of the hands in preparation for a holy endeavor, is the Karpas. Karpas, the act of taking vegetables and dipping it into salt water. Again, you see the tension, the paradox between taking the sweetness of the vegetable, natural sweetness, I don't get these people to add sugar into their smoothies. Why are you adding sugar or honey into your smoothies? Smoothies have that natural sweetness. The fruit, the vegetables, for sure, the fruit for sure, even vegetables. So you take the, the vegetable and you dip it into the salt water that's symbolic of the Jewish tears in Egypt of slavery and bondage. Otherwise, right, if you want to know which vegetables to use, the cool thing to do is just you use the, the letters, the karpas, the menomic, 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 uh, C, karpas, carrots, reish is radish, 
pay peas, potatoes, salica, celery. So you think, oh, shomers like to put out a nice spread of, of vegetables, a whole different uh, vegetable platter. And uh, dip it in. Got all sorts of kalarab and whatnot. Radish family. And what's the idea? What's the symbolism dipping in the karpas? It's a beautiful insight from Lubavitcherava of Nachman El Shnirsen. He says, if you think about it, the word to dip in Hebrew, tibul, is the same as bitul, to nullify. Nullify, batel, and tavel. It's the same word, to dip. Right, to dip is to nullify. What's the connection? So at first glance, it jumps out at you that when you're taking a food, you take a bland potato unseasoned and you dip it into the seasoning agent, the taste, natural taste, is nullified to the stronger taste of the seasoning agent. Right, so dipping it is also it to whatever you're dipping it into. It's nullifying it and absorbed into the greater agent. So you're giving way to the more desirable quality. Now the ironic thing is, that the dipper, so that's the food. The food itself, the potato, is being mevatal. It's nullified to dissolve. But when you dip it, when you're dipping it, that's not an act of nullification, but that's an act of of a, a, a connoisseur. That's the act of a, a gourmet, realizing the gourmet potential, and you dip it in, greatly enhancing the food by the right flavor, by the right sauce. If you know the right sauce, how to dip this, Whatever you're dipping into the perfect combination, the tang and the, the twist and the spice, that's the connoisseur. So it's hardly a moment of surrender and of nullification. But it's increasing one's sense of, of pleasure. This is all year. All year, whenever you dip, whenever you nullify foods, it's really to, to make it even better. On Pesach and Passover, it changes because Passover itself, at its very essence, is a time of bitol, of nullification. It's a time when we hit true humility, true humility. We eat the matzah, the matzah is the most basic of foods, lechem ani. It's the, the poor bread. What does it mean, poor? It's that it's just the basic ingredients, just flour, water, nothing, no, no air. It's symbolic of, of humility, no puffed up arrogance and we're celebrating the birth of the Jewish people that happened at a point in history when our spiritual standing was very low and we didn't have much to be proud of so the dipping on the night of Passover is different than any dipping of the year because normally it's an expression of culinary expertise enriching pleasures of life and our egos that we so desperately pursue but the night of, of Pesach our souls are awakened we see, we see things in a spiritual truth that there's something more important there's more noble and more rewarding, by the way, than just the pursuit of happiness for its own sake. Because that voice within us is telling us that only through genuine bitzel, genuine dipping, genuine nullification, and sub, submitting our ego, arrogant strike within us, can we transition away from an egocentric view of reality to a more true theocentric standpoint. And a genuine connection with Hashem, it will be on his terms, not on ours. That's the dipping. So the coming out of Egypt, the redemption, the exodus, wasn't 
um, just that we should be free from the Egyptians, but it's more significantly, significantly to be free from the obsessive desire for self-enrichment, self-pleasure, base animalistic pleasure that draws us away from our true calling in life. So when we take the carpas, we take the vegetables and we dip it. We're trying to really dip ourselves too, that we shouldn't be the dipper, but we should be the dipped. Not the dipper, but the dipped. Endeavoring, endeavoring to dip ourselves and to nullify our obsessive egos and to really make our our life contingent not on our just our own mortal understanding but living on a whole new spiritual plane a higher idealistic plane there's another idea in the carpas and the dipping of the vegetables i don't remember we are i heard it but i was reminded of it by a student of mine from arizona remembered having uh, heard this idea about the vegetables. Why specifically a vegetable? Why not, say, a fruit? And there's something unique about vegetables, that unlike a fruit, when the water, when rain comes in, and incredible photosynthesis and the way the rainwater goes through the roots into the trees, blows mind-blowing stuff. Um, fruit, the water goes directly into the puri, directly into the fruit itself. And the more it rains, the more it grows, the more uh, the water is having its direct impact. As opposed to the vegetables, what happens is that the roots store the water until the vegetables are ready. Then, boom, all the water that had been stored by the roots, all the rainwater that had been gathered, goes straight into the vegetable as it quickly pops and produces from the ground. And that sets the stage for the Passover Seder, for the feeling of redemption or freedom. That don't think that, oh, freedom is an overnight switch. That, oh, you just break the bad habit and you break the uh, mindsets that are holding you back and leaving behind the shackles of, of the mind, the shackles of the, the heart. It's not going to be an overnight thing. It's like the vegetable. Rain after rain drip after drip, building up, building up, building up until it's ready to burst forth. Next part of Seder is Yachatz. Step four, Yachatz. Breaking in half, it's the word chatz, half, chatzi, and creates the afikomen by result, because you take the larger part and you stash it away for later use at the Seder, afikomen. And someone could go take it and then use it to negotiate to cut some leverage on something they want. Tickets to a hockey game or something like that. Uh, but, or, of course, Sfarim, you want to buy a whole bunch of uh, books, commentaries, deep stuff to uh, learn. That's probably what you're going to ask for, not tickets to hockey. That was me when I was a kid, the hockey game part. My brothers, though, they asked for uh, Sfarim. They're good Jews. They're all good Jews. That's a bad expression. They're they're uh, they're holy people. Good ambitions. Old Jews are good Jews. Misspeak. Uh, and uh, yachas. So what's the symbolism? The larger matzah hiding the larger matzah. You keep the 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 smaller matzah. You keep that, and you conceal the larger part. The idea is like this. I heard this from Rabbi Gershenfeld. Gershenfeld, the founder of Maor based on much earlier Kabbalistic sources. The matzah 
is the symbol of spiritual freedom. Right? That was the bread that we ate out uh, that we ate as we were leaving Egypt, and it's also essentialism, the bread of essentialism. Greg McCowan, great book, Essentialism. It's really a book about matzah. If you want a non-Jewish source about matzah, read Essentialism by Greg McCowan. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. He's a podcast also by the same name. Essentialism. Part of it remains, part of it's hidden and becomes the afikoman. Broken in half, it represents human incompleteness. We are incomplete. We're incomplete. We have not yet realized our potential. That's the revealed part. The hidden part, the afikoman, symbolizes our, our future growth. Eventually we'll get to it. And you have to seek it out and find it, right? It's hidden. Deliberately hide. Right? That's part of the whole custom of hiding it, the kids finding it, negotiating. Because it needs to be sought and found. Future growth, it has to be seeked out. Sitting back on your laurels, waiting for life to happen to you, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not. That's not the life of, of discovering oneself and discovering meaning. And the whole Seder experience that follows Yahas of breaking the matzah. Next step is Magad, intellectually, rationally, existentially exploring the ideas, the question and answers. The the concepts, the core concepts of the Exodus, of freedom. Then through food, matzah, mara, the meal, through song, through the halal. Chatgadia, all the songs that follows. What we're doing is we're reuniting ourselves through all these different methods, through the mind, through the heart, through the mouth, through the pleasures of the world, through everything, fusing it all together with the ideas and goals that the Torah is communicating about ourselves, about our people, about Hashem. And then finally, at the end of the Seder, we acknowledge and affirm that that quest has been successful. So we bring back the Afikoman to the table. Having found what was hidden, we can enjoy the uh, fruits of our labors. That joy of discovering oneself and one's purpose is the deeper happiness of Passover. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Harusa. If you enjoyed, before you even subscribe and rate it five stars and review and all that, and listen to the other episodes, please reach out to me. Let me know your thoughts, connections, ideas, questions, critiques. My number is 347-893-4467. Chavrusapodcast at gmail.com or across social media channels. Thank you. Have a wonderful day overflowing with happiness.